when you hit a serve or when you hit a return, you should never miss it in the net. You should never miss it wide. And it's semi-acceptable to miss one out of 10 of those shots long. You miss a serve a little bit long, it's okay. Your head's in the right place. Same with the return because depth is important. And you take on additional risk by aiming deep because if that increases the average quality of your serve and return, then you should do it. Okay, so it's been a pretty decent sized break since my last podcast. It has been, I think, maybe four weeks since I've done it. There's just been a lot of stuff going on. So we've just taken a quick break and now we're gonna come back. And as always, I'm gonna get right into it. So we're gonna go to the PPA Masters recap for now. Um, And if you only want coaching advice, which is at this point what I would imagine you've grown accustomed to, then you can just skip through this part. But it's a tournament, so I'm gonna talk about it just a little bit. Um, And it was a good tournament, I think. Anna and I, so we made our, I think it was our third final out of four, our last four tournaments. So that was good. And I think this ball definitely, obviously we've switched to the Vulcan ball. So it's taken some time to get used to, but ultimately everybody's playing with the same ball. I know a lot of people are complaining about it, but if I'm playing with it, my opponent's also playing with it. So we're using the same rules. There's no advantages. I don't think the ball favors a particular game style and for that reason i'm not necessarily complaining um and i think it's it's good that they that they at least have made a ball that is a little slower than the dura which is important i think that a slower ball is better for the game because obviously the game is getting faster and faster in terms of paddles the paddles are getting more powerful and more powerful and i think that that can actually present some safety issues so I've already spoken about that. I think that either the paddles need to be a little bit less powerful or the balls need to be softer because something's going to happen. There's going to be a pro that gets hit in the eye and something very bad could happen. And then only then will things change because I think that something really bad happens and then a change happens. That's generally how things go. And it's unfortunate because all I can really do is hope that it isn't me uh, because I don't see anything changing until something bad happens because that's just how it works. So I wish there was a better solution than that, but that is my pessimistic prediction. So um, we got to the final. I think we had a, uh, it was good to play against Jack Sock in the quarterfinal. That was cool. A guy who I looked up to in tennis and he was a very cool tennis player to watch and he's a very cool and fun pickleball player to watch um he brings a lot of different stuff to the table he's got maybe the best forehand probably the most acceleration on the forehand that we've seen yet and he's using the selkirk lux so he's got a uh, a very control oriented paddle it's a very soft paddle and he's still hitting the crap out of the ball so it's very impressive Um, we, so Anna and I played against Jack Sock and Catherine, another Selkirk player in the quarters. And we won, I think 11, 11, five, 11, nine, something like that. And it was a good, you know, highly contested match. I think Jack is going to be very good at mixed very quickly. Um, he's such a good athlete. He was a top 10 tennis player, which is a big deal. And he's by far better than any of us were at tennis. And obviously it's a different sport and pickleball scale and tennis scale. There's a, there's a lot of differences, 
there's a lot of things that translate, but there's also a lot of differences. So we'll see. But I would be surprised if he doesn't end this year as a, as a top five mixed player, especially given that he's playing with Catherine. Um, and then in the quarters, we had an interesting match against Megan Dazan and Tyson McGuffin. So that was interesting because we were expecting to play JW in Georgia. And Megan and Tyson had a great tournament. I think it's um, it's interesting because I wasn't used to Megan playing that well in terms of the soft stuff. I think her soft game's gotten a lot better. And she was she was impressive. And Tyson was, you know, who we know Tyson to be. He doesn't make a lot of errors. He creates well with the forehand. He's got a good serve and drive. And that team is a good team. And I... Um, I think before the year when I found out that they were playing together, I thought they would be a pretty good team. I wasn't really sure how they would mesh, but after playing against them and watching them play in the quarters, um, that's going to be a very tough team to play against because as I've said, Tyson's an underrated mixed player and you have to, you know, if you play Tyson, you have to beat him. He's not going to give it to you, which is I think a very important quality in a player. And yeah, that's a tough team. So I'm excited for them. And then in the final, we lost to Ben and Anna Lee tough because we beat them last time and I don't think either of us played our best Anna and I I think I had to be a lot better I mean to be honest I didn't play great in the semifinals uh against Megan and Tyson in the first game I played very poorly made a bunch of errors I guess I I kind of want to make the excuse that I'm still getting used to this ball uh I'm not sure if I can make that excuse but that's what I'm gonna make. I'm gonna make that excuse I don't really know it was it was a long break six weeks I think was was our break before that tournament so it takes time and yeah, that semifinal against Tyson and Megan, first game, I played very poorly. And then in the second and third game, I played pretty well. But then I think in the final, I also didn't play my best. But hey, we made the final, so I'm not going to complain too much. Men's doubles, we lost to Federico and Pablo in the quarters, Matt and I. And I think we, we're still figuring ourselves out as a team. We've got great hands and we have a lot of the right tools, but we just need more reps. And Fed and Pablo is a great team. Um, so anyway, let's get into the fun stuff. I don't know how long I talked about my own tournament. I know we're all just here for the for the coaching, and uh, that's fine with me. So we've got three questions. Uh, the first one is, so I saw that you were voted the best serve in pickleball, and that's true. I was voted the best serve in pickleball. I might have the best serve in pickleball. I think when Deckel's really on and he's serving it hard, he has the best serve in pickleball, but I'll take it. So I um, can't you tell that I like talking about, about coaching and, and these questions more than I talk about my own tournament results i actually have more fun with this stuff um so the question is how to have a harder serve how to get the serve harder and that's a great question because i used to hit the serve pretty slow i was kind of nervous to miss it and i was actually known for that i was like a big pretty strong guy and a year and a half ago i had the softest serve out of anybody in the premier league it was it was bad and it was only because i was so afraid to miss i just wanted to get the ball in play and, and see what i could do and I decided to start hitting it harder and to get the maximum power I've found to get the maximum power on the serve. You've got to have a good weight transfer. You've got to use your legs. And you've got to use your, just your whole body. Basically. It's not just going to come from the arm. So when I first was hitting the serve badly and, and softly, I was just using my arm and I don't care how strong you are. You can't get a lot of power just using your arm. And what's changed the most for me is I am starting on my back foot. So for me being a righty, that's my right foot. I have all my weight in my back foot and then I transfer it all forward to my left foot and then I follow through inside of the court. 
So I think I'm going to do a video of this on my Instagram. Um, give me a follow if, if you haven't already. I'll, I'll take a, I'll take a follow. But I start from my right foot all my way to my left foot, and then I finish inside the baseline. So I, I, my momentum carries me past the baseline. And just so we're clear, after you make contact with the ball, you can go inside of the court. So you can follow through with your body over the baseline, inside of the court. Some people don't know that. So I would just keep that in mind, using your legs, and I'll use, I'll post that video on my Instagram, but having all the momentum you can possibly have towards the target, just push through towards your target because your momentum and your body weight going into one direction quickly is always going to be stronger than the power that you can generate with your arm alone. So keep that in mind. Second question, how to hit better returns. Um, I'm going to be honest. I just threw that one in there. The, the serve question came on my Instagram DMs and then the return question. I'm just putting that in there because I haven't talked about returns yet. And the serve is very important. And if the serve is very important, the return is just as important. I think they're sort of, they're, they're kind of connected shots, right? You return a serve. Um, so when you're returning, the biggest mistake that I see people making, especially at the lower levels, 4045, because I've been teaching a ton of clinics lately, and I've seen a lot of players who are not pros. I'm not just watching pros anymore. I'm seeing all across the board. So I've got to get a pretty good idea of this now. And the people that are hitting good returns almost invariably have wider bases. So they're wider with their legs. And the reason that that's important is if you're wider with your, well, actually there's a bunch of reasons. First reason, if you're wider with your legs, you're going to be lower. That's obvious. If you stand up perfectly straight, you're going to be as tall as you can be. And if you make a wide base, you're literally going to get shorter. And I'm pretty sure that the serve bounces lower than any other shot, unless it's got a high arc and it's got a ton of topspin because it's coming from one baseline to the other baseline. So it's, a, it's generally a pretty linear trajectory, especially somebody like me. I serve it really flat and it doesn't bounce that high. And since it doesn't bounce high, it makes sense to be lower, especially if you're taller. I mean, this past weekend, I saw guys above the height of six feet with their legs at shoulder width. You don't want your legs at shoulder width. Okay, if you're a shorter person, if you're five, five, maybe your legs can be at shoulder width. But if you're a guy above six feet tall, you need to have a wide base because the ball is bouncing very low. It might not even bounce above your knee height. And the lower you are with your legs, the better chance you're going to have to put more power on the ball. It's the same concept as in football, for example, they say the lower man wins. So if two people are coming at each other and they have the same amount of strength, and they're the same height, same weight, and one guy is lower, literally, he's just in a lower stance, and he's got a wider base, and he's bending his knees more, that guy is going to win the battle because of leverage. So his leverage, for whatever reason, I don't actually know the science behind it, but I just know it's true because I've done a lot of testing on my own. I, I've tried to optimize my return stance, and I found my best returns are always when I'm at a very wide base. I'll also add a clip on this on Instagram because people have been asking for video representations of these shots, and I'm going to give them to you because a wider return stance. If you watch a guy like Ben Johns, for example, you'll see, you know, he's not, his footwork is great and he's not moving his feet as much as me. I'm not telling you to be so focused on your feet that you're bouncing like a crazy person like I do, 
but his base is very wide and so is mine. And I think most of the best players have a wide base on returns, especially if the serve is better. The better the serve, the lower that you should be. Okay. And you're moving through it as well. So that's the other thing. People um, ask me, because I said, don't move through your thirds. Don't move through your dinks. You should be pretty much staying still and staying put when you hit the shot. And that's the case on every shot except your return. And I guess your serve, your serve, you're kind of moving with it. You're bringing your weight forward, but the return, you're literally moving through it because if you stopped and you hit it and then you sprinted up, you would have no time to get to the kitchen, especially if you hit a hard knifing return, you're going to have no time. So you are moving through the return. And since you're moving through it, I think that's actually more of a reason to have a wider base, because if you have a wider base, you're more balanced. And if you're running through a return, it's easy to be off balance. And I saw that a lot this past weekend, did a clinic in Brooksville, awesome clinic, but we had a lot of people standing up straight on the returns. Don't worry, I already told them, I already told them. Last thing, how to hit a better drive. Gonna be honest, this is another question that I just put in myself. And the reason I put it in myself is because a ton of people were asking me this at my last couple clinics, did another clinic in Savannah, loved that one, great people. Um, and actually this weight transfer thing, uh, there was a guy by the name of Mark who I first saw him serve and it was pretty bad. And then I said, look, just transfer all of your weight forward. And he was a former golfer and golfers can understand the concept of the weight transfer. And his serve is, as he puts it, a weapon now. It, it totally changed his serve. So just wanted to shout out Mark for that. And um, we're gonna talk about drives now because the other thing I saw this weekend were a lot of players missing drives long and a couple people missing drives wide. You should never miss a drive wide, but we'll get into why you shouldn't miss one long because this can be an interesting concept for people. When you hit a serve or when you hit a return, you should never miss it in the net. You should never miss it wide. And it's semi-acceptable to miss one out of 10 of those shots long. You miss a serve a little bit long, it's okay. Your head's in the right place. Same with the return because depth is important and you take on additional risk by aiming deep because if that increases the average quality of your serve and return, then you should do it. And if you miss one out of 10, that's okay. That's in the budget. But with driving the ball, it's the exact opposite. I think you'd be better served missing one out of 10 drives in the net because that would show that your head is in the right place because you should be aiming very low on a drive because a drive, if this is the net, a drive that's this high over the net is way, way infinitely better than a drive that is this high over the net. Same thing with a serve or a return. If this is the baseline, ball that bounces here is way better than one that bounces here. So you take on additional risk because it's worth it. It increases the average quality of the shot. So for me, if I miss one out of 10 drives in the net, that's okay. I try to make all my drives, but if I miss one out of 10 in the net, I'm not too worried about it but I'm never gonna miss a drive long and I'm never gonna miss a drive wide. I'll never miss a drive long because the best drives are bouncing halfway between the kitchen line and the baseline. The best drives are low, they're dipping, they have a lot of topspin and they bounce short because if you can hit a big serve and then hit a low short dipping drive to the player that's coming in, that's way more effective than if you just crushed it, took a big cut on it, tried to hit it really hard, and then you caught them right in transition, right at their body, and they'll have a significantly easier fourth. But if you can hit a dipping drive that bounces 
four or five feet past the kitchen line, and then it's at their ankles by the time they're coming up, that's the best drive. Those are the drives that generate pop-ups. Those are the drives that generate missed fourths. And I think the drives that are hit as hard as you can, there's really, it's a risky thing to do because if you do miss it a little high, it's going out. I hit my drives at about 70% of my full power. And I think I hit my best drives maybe this high over the net. And you want to give yourself a couple inches of margin for error. But I think if you want to look to have a real killer drive, I would go out there and drill it, maybe with a ball machine, maybe with a friend, and just aim for 70% pace, bouncing five feet past the kitchen line, almost in between the kitchen line and the baseline, not even close to missing it deep. Missing it deep, if you miss a drive deep, your head is not in the right place. You need to be aiming lower and you need to be... Um, hitting it just literally softer. You shouldn't be hitting it that hard. And I think I would go for some topspin. Um, people have a difficult time with topspin sometimes. It kind of depends on your natural swing path, the paddle you use, but you should get at least some topspin. And if you can get a lot of topspin, go for it. And swing hard. So that's the other thing. The final thing on this is you're swinging very hard. You're accelerating a lot. Okay, so you're swinging at almost a, maybe a 90% pace but you're hitting it at 70% of your full power because that swing, that acceleration is from low to high so that you can get a ton of rotation and a lot of topspin on the ball. So if you swing at 90% and you come right on it full cut, it's gonna go out. Anybody at 90% of their full power, I'm, I'm assuming that they could hit a ball out if they hit it perfectly flat. So you go low to high, you get as much topspin and you're hitting it at 70% pace, but that doesn't mean you're swinging at 70% of your acceleration. You don't want to slow down your swing so much because that's going to make you get less topspin. If you swing at 90%, but if you hit it at a 70, maybe even 65% pace, you can be sure you're getting a lot of topspin as long as you're, again, comfortable with that swing. That's going to take time. Some of us don't feel very comfortable getting a lot of topspin, but that is the goal. And if you want to learn how to hit a drive, you can go on YouTube and there's a lot of Basically, just watch the pros, watch singles even, watch pro singles. You'll see they go from low to high. They swing really fast. But these top singles players aren't hitting drives as hard as they can. These are low dipping drives, and those are the best ones. So glad to have finally come back after the break. Um, I was happy to do this. And if you have any questions, leave them in, in the comments because I'm going to need some more content for my next one because I'm doing one next week also. So thank you, guys. And uh, yeah, that's it.